This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. My name is Laura Cohn. I'm from the San Diego Workforce Partnership, and I have the honor of introducing our afternoon keynote speaker, Maureen Conway. So the issue of opportunity youth is partly a developmental one. It's a difficult journey from high school into ultimately the workforce, and it's rocky for many of us. I know it was rocky for me and for many of you as well. Um, but it's what we're focused on in this movement, what we focused on with you today, is not the personal choice issues like the lousy one I made as a 22-year-old that set me back for a little while. It's about the system issues, the systemic issues that are creating barriers that don't need to be there for our young people or that cause us to miss opportunities to support them in ways that they really deserve our support. And one of the systems that is absolutely most um, central to the idea of opportunity youth is jobs and employment. And this is a session where we're going to really zero in on that issue with the national expertise of Maureen Conway from the Aspen Institute. She's a national expert in jobs in the workforce. And um, th this connection between opportunity youth and jobs is something that she's really been digging in on for the last few years. Um, and I have to say that I had the experience of learning from Maureen a year ago at, um, a, at a partnership meeting that Aspen held. Um, she held a fireside chat, and I was completely wrapped. She was dropping pearls of wisdom, wisdom that, for me, new to the workforce field, I was just soaking up. So I'm really pleased that she's here with us from Washington, D.C. To, um, to chat about jobs and the role that our um, economy and workforce are playing in the phenomenon of opportunity youth, and I welcome her to come to the stage. Well, thank you, Laura, and um, uh, thank you all so much. I've really enjoyed, I've been here all day, and I've really enjoyed this conference and, and hearing all of the issues um, going on in, in San Diego. Um, uh, and I also just want to uh, give a shout out to, um, to Peter Kallstrom and the whole uh, San Diego Workforce Partnership team. They've really just done a fabulous job in this. So, um, so thank you all for, for organizing this. Um, and what I wanted to talk about, as Laura said, is sort of, you know, that, that journey. This is about, you know, how do we connect young people to, to education and to work, right? And so that destination of connecting to the workforce, what I want to talk about is how do we make that a good destination and one that's a little more inspiring to connect to. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of work and then what are some ideas um, uh, for making that an even better place to, to end up. Um, so just to start, uh, first of all, how many people here uh, either have a job or hope to have a job within the next five years, right? So I have a job. Okay. How many people um, uh, rely on their earnings from work, either their own or another household members, to do things like uh, pay the bills and, and, you know, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, pay your light bills, right? right? So, okay. How many people want to have a good job? 
I have a good job. Okay, excellent. Welcome to the job quality movement. Um, <laughs> so, um, so uh, just to do my own version of a, of a seven-second resume that I'm afraid might take me a little longer than seven seconds. Um, so I work, I run something called the Economic Opportunities Program at the Aspen Institute, and we do all these things that you see here on, on the screen. What I, what I mainly want to tell you about my work there, though, is um, I founded something that we call the Workforce Strategies Initiative within the Economic Opportunities Program in 2000. Um, I took over leadership of the entire Economic Opportunities program, which includes work that looks at how can people also start businesses, what's the role of corporations in providing skills, and what are some business models that create better quality jobs. So I took over all of that work in 2010. And what that has meant for me is that I have had the rare privilege of being able to travel across the country and look at what is the work of community colleges, nonprofits, workforce boards, community development finance institutions, uh, small business development centers, and a whole range of uh, local organizations that are involved in improving the nature of economic opportunity in their communities and helping people who are facing barriers to connect to those opportunities, helping young people connect to those opportunities, helping communities of color who have been disproportionately excluded from the better opportunities in their communities to connect to opportunity, helping people returning from prison connect to opportunities, helping single mothers, etc. So, so I've had that rare privilege, and I want to share a couple of things um, ab about that. Um, one is there's a lot of really terrific work happening across the country, and as I've been learning today, happening right here in San Diego. But we're up against some really significant challenges when we think about what's going on in the world of work. Um, so back to this question of a good job. What is a good job? Um, there's a lot of conversation. I live in Washington, well, I live in Maryland, actually, but I work in Washington, D.C., so it does feel like I live there. Um, and there's a lot of conversation around jobs and policy circles and things like that. But the ways people think about what's a good job sometimes tends to vary. So I think we should think about in our jobs conversation, you know, does it depend on who's in the job? Is, is the quality of a job um, that's needed by a young person different than another person? You know, I would argue that it's not that different. So if you think about what you thought when I said what's a good job, you know, would you think, oh, but for a young person, it's okay, they just need the experience, they don't really need to be paid? Like, that doesn't make sense. I was just in a, se in a session about um, uh, young people in college and the need for food pantries on campus, right? Young people have bills too. So um, are there different standards for different industries? Are there different standards for the kind of work you're in, right? I think that there's a set of standards that are really common across all forms of work and that we need to think about how do we make those more universal. Um, so thinking about young people and how they feel about their future of work, so this, this is some surveys. The, um, the Board of Governors at the Federal Reserve System did a whole survey of a bunch of questions about how young people feel about their opportunities in the labor market. And, and generally, if they have more education, as you can see on this slide, they feel better about what's, what's in store for them in the next five years. But overall, there's a lot of concern and, uh, about whether they're going to be able to find the kind of work that they want to be able to find in today's economy. And there's, there's reasons for that. So this, this chart 
Um, and I don't know how well you can see the, the lines here, but that top line is basically what's been going on with productivity in our economy, right? So this is, the, this is sort of looking at how productivity is going up, right? People working are producing a lot. And then these other lines are the wages that, that people who work are getting paid, right? And so those, in the late 90s, we had a period where productivity and wages were going up together. But then in the 2000s, that sort of divided again. I should say again, because this happened in the late 70s, early 80s. They were divided. That little period in the early 90s, they came together again. And now they're, they're diverging again. So this is, one, this is a real challenge, right? So that, that top blue line, the 14.3%, that's, that's college graduates. So even for college-educated people who are working, this is happening, right? Then there's the median worker and the high school educated worker. So while it's slightly different by education level, it's still a common phenomena. This is sort of, um, there's a lot of conversation about the future of work. Um, and this is the, uh, based on the US Bureau of Labor Statistics projections about what are the occupations that are going to add the most jobs in the next 10 years. Um, I have here 2014 to 2024 numbers. If you follow BLS very closely, you might know that they have their 2026 projections out, but they're not disaggregated by region yet. So this is specifically for San Diego. And these black lines are the 31,000. What does it cost for an individual, for just one adult living on their own, to be able to support themselves? And the, the one above it is what does it cost for uh, one adult with one child to be able to support their small family? Um, and what we see here is there's basically three of these growing of these large occupations that will get above that family wage. There's four that get above the individual wage. And there's 13 that are even below the individual wage. And just to give you a sense of proportion, overall, these top 20 occupations account for a third of employment openings in the next 10 years. Um, the top one is 13% of that total. The middle one is 15%. And the bottom one is the over 70% of the remainder. So, so, so this is not a very optimistic prediction of what work will look like. But I want to also say two things about that. Um, so the thing, I've studied economics and various other things, and the thing I always was told about um, uh, projections is the, is the main thing, you know, people make all different kinds of projections, and the main thing you can count on is that they're wrong. Um, <laughs> so it does not have to be this way. And also, it doesn't have to be this way because we can make choices. Uh, business leaders can make choices. Citizens can make choices. Workers can make choices to build a better world of work. Um, this is another issue that we're seeing in the, in the form of work. It's, it's not just what's the pay rate, but, but looking at how things are being structured and sort of the insecurity of work. And there's a lot of insecurity that people are, are experiencing now. Um, these, these, uh, these numbers come from a survey that actually we did of young adult service providers. So we work with a lot of organizations that are trying to help young people connect to work. And we were asking them, in your region, what kinds of job openings are you seeing um, growing? And, you know, 73% are saying part-time employment, but only 37% are saying full-time employment, right? So these other kinds of work, online platform-based work, temporary employment, these, in the, these other kinds of work, that's more of what people are seeing growing. 
But, um, and this is back to the Federal Reserve Survey, uh, for young people who have a full-time job, have a permanent job, they're more likely to report these positive attributes of their job, that they see it providing a stepping stone to advance their career, that it's providing them adequate benefits, and so on. And the ones with a temporary job are less likely to experience those positive um, attributes of a job. So something that we've been working on for the past several years within the Economic Opportunities Program is how do we think about strategies that raise the floor so people can have a basic level of economic stability and have the opportunity to pursue that career advancement. So how do we think about job quality in a way that gives you this basic level of economic stability, right? And I've been talking about wages because wages are things that you can get a lot of data on, but it's not just about wages. Earlier, people were talking about transportation, right? Your ability to afford transportation and have um, a, a affordable, efficient transportation that connects you to jobs, that's an important thing. Um, we've done surveys where, where people described a good job for young people as one that they could get to, right? In that same um, um, survey where we were asking people what kinds of jobs are growing, one of the, this was a key thing, is, is can, can a young person actually get to that job on a regular basis? Um, uh, what kind of respect do people get at work, right? So, so I have up here that, you know, work is a real important point, part of being able to support yourself, but it's also a way that you have identity and it gives you connections to other people, it gives you meaning and purpose in your life. Um, and so having a workplace that respects the contributions that you bring and that you have quality supervision where you're um, able to learn and improve and add value in your workplace, these are all really important things. Um, harder to measure, but definitely things that we hear in a variety of our survey work and other work are really critical to people feeling like they have a good job. Um, so we've been really thinking about what are the ways that you, can, that you can accomplish this and who's working on it. And we've been trying to find those folks. So we've been doing research on it. So I have um, a little research uh, paper that we did, Restore the Promise of Work, where we profile a number of organizations that are doing things. We run an event series called Working in America, where we bring together business leaders and, and worker advocates and academic researchers and people in philanthropy and a, and a whole variety of folks to, to talk about what are the ideas that they're seeing in different places across the country for building a better world of work. Um, we've been running a job quality fellowship, which are people who are really innovating in their communities to try to think about how do we improve the quality of jobs in our community and how do we make more of these jobs, um, jobs that are really going to provide people a living wage. Um, so, so, and you know, everybody has a role in this. So what I want to sh shift to now is what are some ideas that we're seeing that we see as really promising? And I've tried to divide them up into sort of um, what are some, some practices that service provider organizations can implement, what are some practices that businesses can implement, and what are some public policies that can support um, better quality jobs. And one of, the, uh, one of the practices that I've been really interested in is this service model um, 
that an organization called The Source does, but also one of our job quality fellows, Liddy Romero. She runs Work-Life Partnership in Denver, and she runs a similar model and is also involved in um, creating a national network of organizations that do this. And basically, they work with companies that have entry level, a lot of entry-level workers and low-wage workers, um, and they connect them to a variety of services that help them basically stabilize, right? So when those life issues come up of childcare, and just enough money for food, transportation, um, housing issues. Uh, there's the resources there to support them, whether they're particular benefits that they qualify for or whether they're philanthropically provided in the community. They have caseworkers to work with people to make sure that they can stabilize in work and in their lives, and they can stay in their jobs. And they can stay in their jobs and build the kind of work experience that they need to be able to um, uh, to be able to build their resumes and move ahead in the world of work. So this, and this importantly has been a return not only for the workers who are, are being served by this, but also for the businesses. Um, and the businesses value this and, and, and pay most of the cost of these organizations um, and see a real return on investment for that. So in general, some of, the some of the practices that I think are important to keep in mind for service provider organizations are just really to ask questions about workforce practices. Sometimes we have this idea that there's only one way to design a job, but there's a lot of different ways. And to understand why they are the way they are and ask questions is really important. To share information about the experiences of workers, to visit job sites, um, to talk to workers about the, their experiences, and to think about, like, who do I have affinity with and who do I not? And who am I listening to and who do I not, who am I maybe not listening to as much? Kind of check your biases and make sure you're getting the whole story about things and just expect better. Because it should not have to be this way. We should not be trading off worker economic stability to advance company economic success. This is not a sustainable model for our economy and we really need to expect better. And there are better. So one of the other things I mentioned is we've been running something called Good Companies, Good Jobs, and we've been documenting what are some really successful companies doing to build their, build their business strategy around um, investing in their workforce and helping their workforce be productive and then rewarding them for being productive, right? So building that virtuous cycle where you bring people in, you give them a stable job, you invest in them, they can contribute more to the business, and the business and the workers succeed together. So we have companies in manufacturing. Um, Quick Trip is a gas station convenience store. Costco, you know, uh, Union Health Center. So um, well-paid maids, right, a cleaning service. So there's all kinds of different companies in different kinds of sectors that can, that can think differently about how to create quality jobs as a strategic investment that helps their business. Um, and then, of course, there's public policy. Public policy is critical. Public policy uh, sets the rules of the game for us, right? So the public policy um, determines how we want to, how um, how we think about competition and and what businesses do and and what workers do. And there's a wide range of public policies that can set incentives and support um, improving the quality of jobs. And Again, one of, the th one of the ideas that I just wanted to share from our job quality fellows, so Christine Corella runs something out of the New York City Mayor's Office. It's called Best for NYC. And what they've done out of their small business services uh, unit is they've reached out to businesses and encouraged them to sort of 
complete this survey around some of their practices to see if they qualify as a best for NYC company. And if they qualify, then what they do is they, they promote them to various customers, they give them preferences in terms of um, their procurement and what they buy and, and things like that. Um, but importantly, if they don't qualify, then they connect them to technical assistance and other ideas for how could you improve the, the things in your company so you would be a best for NYC company and we would be promoting your business and trying to help you get more business and more success. So it's a great way to think about what's a, what's a, what's, how do we recognize those companies that are really contributing to our community by offering better quality jobs, which we, which we really need. Um, but there's a variety of other, you know, sort of standard policies that, that, that are clearly important in terms of creating a basic standard of work where all work is good work. So just to close, I just want to say that, there, that to go back to what I started with, I've been able to see a range of strategies. And what we want to see is how can those strategies work together? How can the community development investment people be investing in, in companies that are creating new jobs and also talking to them at the same time about what kinds of jobs they're creating? How can the workforce people be training people for those jobs so that those companies who are creating good jobs have the kinds of workers that they need and have supports in, in building their workforce for the future? Um, how, can, how can local governments be, be doing business with the companies in their community that offer better quality jobs? How how can they think about their economic development strategies, supporting those companies? How can all of these strategies come together so that we have an economy that really works well for everyone, for businesses, for workers, for the communities, for families, um, and is sustainable going into the future? Because, as the late Paul Wellstone said, we all do better when we all do better. Thank you very much.